This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, the night after Shavuos. You still feel the fire? So what did everyone get from Shavuos? That's the question, guys. What did you get from Shavuos besides being very tired? A couple of things. Number one, whoever's listening... All of us kept three days. No phones, no technology, no news, no sports, I hope. Right? <laughs> so whoever thinks that Yetzirah sold him that, that technology is an addiction, not true. Because you couldn't stop an addiction for three days. Stop dead, mamish dead. So the first thing we all learned is that three days out of a week, three days out of a week, we could disconnect to connect. So that excuse just got blown away. Right? Three days. How'd you live three days? You didn't know what the market was doing. You didn't know what the Yankees were doing. Right? You didn't know what Trump was doing in North Korea. Right? You actually... Connected to our Kaddish Baruch Hu. says, no, you would think of things I saw this, this, this shuas about people who stayed up all night, both nights, one night. And you found out you could be up all night. Tired, I can't learn. Right? And that's when it's a mitzvah to learn a whole night. And the Yitzhah is bugging you out. You have to walk and drink and coffee and making yourself crazy a whole night. Your eyes were burning you. It says in the Sefer that I learned that... that if you stay up all night and your eyes are burning you, it's Michael for all the things all the things you looked at that year that you weren't supposed to look at. And also you, Hashem takes away your chai of courage that year. Huge, it was huge, it was huge. So you found out that you could disconnect from technology, cars, radios, right? Pretty much the whole world disconnect for three days, be with your family, and Baruch Hashem, everybody made it. Whoever made it, made it. So that's number one. Number two, you found out you could be up all night. Not only all night, but Baruch Hashem, if you went to shul or yeshiva, they weren't up open. They weren't just op- up all night. They were learning. They were screaming at each other. They were yelling. They were eating a little watermelon once in a while. But but Lemaise was amazing. It weren't just like sitting there. They were yelling. They were They were shiurim. My landouts had a sheer whole night. Here they had a sheer whole night. Four hours in a row. People sat there four hours in a row. You thought you're ADD. You thought you're addicted. You thought all these things and Schwartz blew it up. You can't be ADD and, and, and say the whole, and be able to say the whole tikkun. It's impossible. It's a three hour, four hour thing. It's like crazy. You found out you could actually sit with your family without killing each other for three days. But the most important thing is you found you can learn a whole night. And, and the biggest thing, one of the biggest things is that you found out that you could get up and daven Vasikin. The whole Brooklyn was davening Vasikin the first morning of Shuiz because they were up all night. And they started davening at a cool 4.45 in the morning 
Who in this room, who watching, ever got up at 4.45 in the morning to go down? 5.30, 5.34 was Vasekin. Everybody that was up all night, New York, everybody down with Vasekin together. It's at Halal, Agdames. Some people stayed up. A lot of people stayed up the second night this year, Baruch Hashem. So somebody said to me, oh, it's because you spoke about it. I'm like, no. Rabbi, Rabbi Reisman had Shiram all night, second, I mean, a lot, second night, a lot of other people. It's becoming a Zach. Because no one else, no one else in the, in the they're not, well, maybe they are, but they don't have Shuas the second night. And the second night's really when we got Montoya. And the second night it says, when the Malach came to speak from the base of Yosef, right? It was very, it was holier the second night. They had a minion the second night. The first night, they only had four. So, we learned a lot of things about ourselves. You could be up two nights in a row. You could down with seeking two mornings in a row, or down with seeking. You could be disconnected from, from the technology of the world. You could, you could be with your family, and you could learn Torah. Thank you. With a Chabrusa. Okay? Did you learn that about yourself? From that, it's what you need to take now into the summer. Because it says, if you're up all night, you're guaranteed to have a good life and to live out the year. You're able to do that. So then you're able to do that every night, whenever you need to, whenever you want to. Well, I think that's something we all need to take away from Shavuos. Very big chizik to Shavuos. Guys were really steiging. Beautiful, beautiful Shavuos. We had an Oranava program at 12 o'clock, I spoke. Down says Rabbi Weinfeld. They set up 200 chairs. I told them, are you crazy? 200 women at 12 o'clock at night till 3 o'clock in the morning? Set up 50 chairs. Well, they set up 200 chairs and there were no chairs. Everybody, There were people standing in the back. So there must have been 250 women there. Mikam Chisra. Women came to learn. What? There were married women. There were singled women. I mean, if you had little kids, you couldn't leave them at home alone. But a lot of single, a lot of married. It was full house. Hashem. Yeah, like, come on. Like, you know, we badmouth everybody. But Lamaisa, when I grew up, there was no women's first night. They all went to sleep. They cleaned, they, they did the dish, whatever. They cleaned up the table and they went to sleep. No, you would think. No, you would think of Tyra. It says in the Zaya that when we learn Tyra's first night, we put a beautiful crown on Hashem's head, whatever that means. He's wearing a beautiful crown. Little kids, little kids learning, steiging, saying Chumash and Rashi out loud. It was beautiful. It was cute. It was beautiful. It was nice. Oh, Yakosh Baruch, you should look down at this Pashvuas and bring us Mashiach. That's it. We need Mashiach. Here, what? Here be Amen or Amen. All right. I want to talk a little bit. I want to go back to Rus because it's Yisrochag today. So it's like. Still in the spirit, right? So I want to I want to focus on something just a little bit that I spoke at twelve o'clock Shabbos night about, but I didn't speak here. Um, Ruth said the following: First of all, very big kasha that we didn't talk about. She comes back. Naomi and Ruth come back to Eretz Yisrael because the the. Famine, the hunger was over. But to home, 
And the whole city was like, what? Is this Naomi, the beautiful, rich lady who left her throw? It ain't looking like Naomi. She hadn't gotten a new human hair shaitel in 10 years. She was out there for 10 years. Right? Forget about it. Now remember, remember that Naomi was a Sadekista, right? Naomi means beautiful. Don't call me Naomi. Karenali Mara, call me bitter. Kihemar Shakai Lima Od. Because God made it really bad for me. Hello? Is that how a Tadekista talks? She should have said, listen, Bashir. Everything Hashem does is good. Instead, she's like, No, call me bitter. God treated me so bitter. Guys, doesn't make sense. Yaakov Avinu got punished because he told Paro, and Paro said, Oh, you look very old. You look way past your age. He said, oh, Man, I went through a lot of tsaras. Dina, Yossi being sold. Rachel <coughs> dying early. Asim trying to kill me. That's why I look old. Hashem took years of his life away from that. So the question is, how can Naomi talk like this? She should have said, it's Bashat, listen, stuff happens. It's Gamzula How could she talk like this? What? Bikasha, right? Now later on, she says, when Ruth comes back and says, I was by Boaz, Hashem says, she says, ah, Hashem has not forgiven me. Let's see what she says. She finds out she was my boy. Naomi says to her daughter in law, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. He did not leave me, who I'm alive, and my, my, my sons were dead because I want children to come from them, even though they're not alive. What's going on here? If she's a Sadega stuff, how could she tell Israel, I got a bitter life, man. God is really punishing me. Want to hear unbelievable terrors? Guys, what do you think the answer is? Anyone have any idea? Yeah. She wanted all of Israel to know two things. One, when Jews need you, because they came to him for tzedakah, your husband, and you run away, you're going to pay for it. So she said, don't think I had a good life. We ran away from Eretz Yisrael because we didn't want to give tzedakah. Miserable, miserable life. And also, don't marry out of the religion. So she came back and said, I lost my husband because he didn't want to give tzedakah. I lost my two boys because for 10 years they were married to Goyim. She wanted everyone to know morally, I, it's, there's a consequence, it's bitter, a forbidden life. You know why? Because we ran away when he gave tzedakah, because my sons married Goyim. She wasn't complaining. She wanted all of Israel to know exactly what you get if this is what you're going to do. If you think you could run away and you think your children can marry Goyim, Ayve is forbidden life. And later on, 
when when it was private, it was just her. Because here she told all of Klai Yisrael that she was bitter. It was private, just with her. And she said, I ended up by Boaz. She said, let me tell you something. Between me and you, God never forgets you. Never gives up on you. I have to tell you guys a story. Two weeks ago, I went to a hospital to visit a very sick girl. Not physically sick, but emotionally sick. The reason I went to meet her two weeks ago here in New York, she was in a psych ward, um, was to find out if she could come to the ranch. If it makes sense. Because if you're too severe, we're not a hospital. So you can't be too severe. Like, you know, if someone has an eating disorder but they're being fed by a tube, that's not something we can do. If someone's schizophrenic, that's not something we can do. So we're for... The ranch is for anxiety and depression, self-mutilation, somebody's cutting, eating disorders, that kind of stuff. But not, not like schizophrenia or, you know, or, or eating disorder on the level that you need a hospital. I went to meet her because her parents, whatever, nothing was helping her and she was away and then she did, whatever. It, it wasn't working. I said, okay, maybe horses will work because horses work where no, nothing else works. Um, so let me go meet her. So I came to meet her in the hospital here in New York. And she really doesn't talk to many people. Baruch Hashem had siyad d'shmaya. I davened that Hashem should give me siyad d'shmaya. And I'm telling her about the ranch and the horses and how horse therapy works because, because one of the things in your life that gives you anxiety is when you don't have control. If you can't control your life, right, you get very anxious. Like if you're very scared someone's going to hurt you, right? You get very anxious because I can't control that person from not hurting me. So anxiety has a little bit to do with the, the inability of controlling what's going on around you. If you can control what's going on around you, you're not scared. You're not anxious. That's not so simple, but I'm just making a generalization. So a horse, right, needs you to control it. You sit on a horse and you don't make it move. It won't move. And if you're galloping and you don't pull to hold... To stop, it'll gallop a whole day. It won't stop. So, what are the things you learn from a horse? It's control. And automatically, once you control the horse, you control yourself. Because if I could control a 1,600-pound animal, I could control a 110-pound girl. So, it, it really, really works. And she happens to like animals. So, it was like a good shidduch. And then we talked about, um, which was just starting right now because of the weather, we talked about agricultural planting. Interesting, it was interesting meaning because she said, that I don't want to do. I said, why not? She said, I'm scared of worms. So she doesn't want to do planting. I said, okay, would you do picking? Like after they grow? Yeah, no problem. I'm just not. I don't like, I don't like worms. Um, I said, okay, I'm not taking you fishing. No, you don't have to worry about it. So... So that's also a very amazing thing because when you plant something, you know, people feel that I can't do anything. I go into a business, I go bankrupt. Whatever I do, I go bankrupt. But if you plant Hashem's seeds in the ground and you water them, they grow. They grow. By Sheva Altasa, you don't have to do anything. They grow, which is sick amazing. And I, I, I spoke to her about that. I said that, um, that, well, well I'll, I'll get to the point. Anyway, so, 
she doesn't want to come to the ranch because it's Jewish. She's Jewish from, from family, but it's Jewish, and she's got this thing about Jewish. She's in a hospital. There's not, it's not, it wasn't a Jewish hospital. She doesn't like that. It's Jewish, and, and, and you're going to make me religious. I'm like, I'm not here to make you religious. I'm here to make you healthy. No, it can't be. If you're, if you're a rabbi, she saw my card. So she saw I was a rabbi. I, the appointment I made was Mr., but she saw my card. She says, if you're a rabbi, there's no way you're not going to make it. So she's very suspicious. She comes from a different family, but she's totally not keeping anything. She said, so I said, no, I'm not. That's not my, that's not. So why, so why, why did you make the ranch? I said, because uh, the job of a Jew is to keep another Jew alive. The frumkite is between you and God. And you have to create the vessel. But if you're broken, you can't be a vessel. So once the vessel is made, it's up to you what you put in it. In other words, if I make pottery, right? And I make a pot, I make clay pottery, which, by the way, is a fantastic therapy, another great therapy. Uh, working, my uncle used to teach it, actually, in public school. My mother's brother, um, he, taught, he taught pottery. That's what he did. He was a, a public school teacher. And, and you know, and you, you create a pot. Anything you create with your hands... So it's a little bit like I created pottery. But what you're going to put in that pot could be water, juice, milk, wine, fruit, whatever. That's up to you. But if we don't have a pot, we can't put anything in there. If you have a broken pot, so the objective is to make the person whole. And then you could start doing whatever, you know, spirituality, whatever, whatever, whatever. But she was, right? so we got past that. And she, okay. And we talked about the agricultural therapy, which is great. We talked about the yoga and the meditation and the art therapy and the music therapy and, um, and that there's no, there's no barbed wire or fences. You could, it's open. It's not a, it's not a place that you'll, there's no lockdown. Um, and then she looks at me and goes, if I want pork for breakfast, will I get it there? I'm like, huh? It's from a from family. If I want pork for breakfast, will I get it at the ranch? I'm like, no. The ranch has got kosher. I'm not going. I don't want kosher. I'm not going. I said, I'll make you lamb chops for breakfast. I'll make you steak. I'll make you chicken. I'll take one of the ducks. I'll give you a duck for breakfast. I said, I'll scramble the eggs, but I'm not giving you pork, shrimp, or lobster. I'm not going. I want to eat not kosher. I said... Shefala. That means the little shefala is like a little lamb. It's a shefala. Why? I said, Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn has thousands of non-Jewish people in it, but the, co- the food is all kosher. They don't have a problem with it. Why do you have a problem with it? Okay, I'm not going to get into the reasons that she has a problem with it, but whatever, she was very much hurt. And, and therefore, anything that has to do with Yiddishkeit, that's, that's who hurt you, right? If someone hurt you and they happen to be Jewish, so then Jewish is no good automatically because of Jewish, right? To make a long story short, the first time I ever used this, I said to her, listen to me very carefully, and, be, and her therapist was sitting right next to her because they wouldn't let me talk to her privately. I said, even the therapist said to me, I don't understand why she's so anti, but whatever. I said, listen to me carefully. I said, in our religion, you, I'll call her Miriam, you, Miriam, are the most important person. What do I mean? I said, God gave us Torah and has 613 mitzvahs. 
the rabbis added a bunch of other mitzvahs. There's no mitzvah that you have to keep if, Miriam, if your life is in danger. Miriam, your life is more important than God. He said, what do you mean? I'm like, to save your life, if you're starving, I'm going to give you a pig. If you have to bow down to Buddha to save your life, then even though you're not supposed to, but if you do, there's no halacha to punish you. I said, there's no commandment that God gave that we can't break to save your life. I said, and that's the God you're angry at? The God that says, you come first. You come before anything. And she said, but you have good food? I'm like, we have very good food. We have a, we have a private chef. Okay. I'll come. So, I don't think that people realize what Yiddishkeit is really all about and the love that Hashem has for His children. Because I don't know what parent would say, all rules off, all rules off, all rules off. And I told her the Mishnah, I couldn't say anything about the non-Jew because she was sitting there. But I said that there's a, there's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos that says that if a house caves in on Shabbos and you don't know if there's someone in the house, I didn't say the part with the Jewish part, but you don't know that there's a Jew in the house and you don't know if he's alive, so it's a fake, 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 you let it be Machal Shabbos. Hashem says, I know if he's in there or not, but you don't. So you may be Machal Shabbos, take every stone with a tractor and there's no one in there but a cat. There's no one in there. It's fine. Because maybe there was a human being in there. Maybe one of my children was in there. Therefore, you have to be Mechal Shabbos. I said, I said to her, you, you don't understand his love for us. And yesterday, um, I was talking to someone, Yantif, and I was talking about something that I said over I said it over yesterday. Actually, I done Vasikin yesterday morning. And then afterwards, we had a kiddush. We were talking about it. I said, "I said these were guys. These were Talmidei Chachamim that were sitting there." I said, "I have to tell you something that I spoke about on Shavuos that I think is so important that every person should talk. Every Jew should be talking about this. What was this?" Um, Okay, so let me just quote something from Rus, and then I'll, I'm going to connect it for you. She says, when Boaz talks to her, she says, you spoke to my heart. She said that yeah, hold on. But Taima... She said to him, Ruth said to him, this is his unbelievable shot. Ruth said to him, I found favor in your eyes. I don't need my mask. You comforted me, so we knew she was in pain, right? How did you comfort me? This is so important. In the chinuch of your children. And you spoke to my heart. That's what she said to Boaz. 
What was your nechama? You spoke to my heart. And if you talk to my heart, I guarantee you, I'm not going to be a regular girl. I'm going to become Eim HaMalchus. Why? Because you didn't talk to my brain. You didn't, you didn't logically explain Judaism. Right? You didn't give me the 15 proofs of God. But you spoke to my heart. When you speak to someone's heart, that person is just not going to stay the same. The therapist asked me when I was sitting there, did you have any training? Like, did you go to school for this? Because this kid doesn't talk to anyone. And they were very worried that because I'm a rabbi and I'm wearing a yarmulke, and she's so turned off to Yiddish guys, they all knew she was so anti, that I might trigger something. So they were very worried that Rabbi Wallenstein was going to trigger and she would be sitting there in a fetal position and not even look at me. So they were sort of said that we don't know if he should come, he might get insulted, she might, whatever. But we, we, it, it got pushed through by the parents, for whatever reason. But this, this person who's in Manhattan, it's a Manhattan psych ward, so they know Jews, whatever it was, right? She was like, she just spoke to you for two hours. We can't get her to talk for 20 minutes. Did you go to school for this? I'm like, no. So how do you do this? I said, I talk from my heart. And a person knows when someone's talking from their heart or from when someone's talking from their brain. And that's why it says, guys, that I've devarim ha'yoytzim and ha'lev nechmasim ha'lev. So I couldn't explain this to this non-Jew but it's like, push it. If you talk to a girl or anyone from your heart, it goes into their heart. I'll talk to you. There's a relationship. Like I said, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not a brainiac. Um, you probably know a lot of more books than I do. But when I talk to a kid, they know that I'm here, I'm real. How does someone know you're real? When you talk from your heart. Your heart can't lie. They can look right through you. So what, what she told Boaz was, you talk to me from your heart, I will change. I will not be like anyone else. If you talk to me from your heart, there will be a change. When a teacher talks to a child from their heart, the child will change. I can tell you from 40 years. When a parent talks to their kid from their heart, the kid knows my father loves me, my mother loves me. That kid will not be the same. And what she told, you're going to hear something crazy tonight. But what she told Boaz was, Rabbi, you talk to me from your heart. So first of all, I want you to know, thank you so much, you consoled me. Second of all, I'm just not going to be a regular person anymore because when you talk to me from your heart, I'm going to change. Okay? That was Rus, way before her great-grandson, David Melech. Now listen to this. Amazing. Everybody has to learn this. Shaul makes sins. He doesn't kill. Uh, we're not going to spend time on that tonight. He doesn't kill Amalek. Hashem says, Hashem al Shmuel. It's enough. How long will you mourn, will you, are you going to mourn over Shaul? And he asked him. I rejected him. Forget about it. You can cry. You can bear. You can fast. He is no more going to be the king. Fill your home with oil. I'm sending you to Yishai because one of his sons will be the king. 
Vayom Shmuel Eich Eilich Vashama Shmuel Beregani. Shmuel said, Shmuel's going to hear about this, that I'm going to anoint another king. He's going to say I'm a rebel. He's going to kill me. Hashem gave him a whole plan. Go, tell me you bring a carbon. Gantz Okay. So, Shmuel listens. He listens to what Hashem says. And he comes to Beis Lechem. And he comes to, 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 to Yishai to choose one of his sons to be the new king. Peace. I came to bring a carbon, which wasn't true, but whatever. That was how he, he didn't want Shol to hear that he was doing anything. He got you, prepare yourselves. Let's eat together. So that's why he got them to come, so he could tell which one is going to be the next king. Listen carefully. When they got there, Vayar Eliyav, Shmuel Hanavi saw Eliyav, Vayomer he said, Achneged Hashem Now Eliyav was the oldest, he was huge, dark, huge, strong, he looked like Shaul. Shaul was also a very big warrior. So automatically, listen carefully, this is going back now, guys, listen carefully. Because we always talk about people who judge Chitainius. You're talking about the Navi. You're talking about Shmuel HaNavi. Shmuel HaNavi looked at, at Eliyav and he said, this is the man. That's it. He looks like Shaul. He's big. He's a warrior. No, boys. Listen to the Hashem's talking now. Hashem El Shmuel. And Hashem said to Shmuel HaNavi, do not look at his appearance as his chichon is. And don't look at his great height. For I have rejected him. He is not the next king. Why did Hashem reject him? Why, why wasn't he the next king? He was the Bukhar. And he was the biggest. Says Rashi, Do not gaze upon the beauty of his stature. Kimastiu. For I rejected him. Why did Hashem reject the firstborn? The first son? He had a, he had a bad temper. Can't be a king if you have a temper. Later on, when David comes with the war of Goliath, Eliyav says, Why did you leave the sheep for? He starts yelling at him. Why did you leave the sheep in Beislechem by themselves? Hashem said, No. Shmuel, wrong guy. But you see that even Shmuel Hanavi judged by Chitzanias. So you can't get crazy when people look at someone and they're like, they make a judgment by what he looks like. Because even Shmuel Hanavi made that mistake. We're human. He looked big. He looked handsome. He was dark. He looked like Shaul. That must be the man. He's the oldest, right? Who else would Hashem make him? Fine. And Hashem says, what a lesson. This is God talking. So this is 100% true. For it's not the way man perceives what he sees. Listen to what I'm telling you now. All the way from what Ruth said. Hashem says to Shmuel, Because a man can only see as far as his eyes can see. Hashem, but God, 
Hashem sees a person's heart. So you see a person that looks tall and big, looks like Shaul, and you think he's the right guy, but in his heart there's anger. So Kosh Baruch Hu says what really counts is not what he looks like on the outside, but what's going on in his heart. So Rus said to Boaz, the reason that there's a Nechama is because everybody looked at my Chichanias and saw that I was a Moaviyah, and they judged me, and they threw me over the fence, but you are the first person who had the ability of Hashem, not like Shmuel Hanavi, but Boaz had the ability to see the person's heart, and to see the pain that she left her country, and that she was not accepted in Klai Yisrael. So he saw more than Shmuel saw. And who was Rus, who said, thank you for looking at my heart, and that's my Nechama, she was a great grandmother of David Melech. Where did David Melech come from? Hashem saying, "Don't look at the oldest one, what he looks like on the outside, but look at the littlest one. Look at his heart." And Yishai brought Avinadav in front of Shmuel. He figured this is the guy. He said, "No, Hashem did not choose him either. He did not choose him either." So Eliav wasn't the right one. And boy number two was Avinadav. Hashem said, no! He ain't the right guy. Look at this Rashi. Rashi says, For it is not as man perceives it. Even though you called yourself a seer, seer is a you, Anavi, you're able to see that I'm, I'm the seer. You think you see, you don't see with your eyes, you see with your heart. Okay? And Yishai brought all seven sons in front of Shmuel. Something's wrong here. You brought me seven sons, but none of them are the right ones. So that was it. He thought it was over. He thought Shmuel, Shmuel Novi thought he had an avias that wasn't true. Are there, are there no more children? Yeah, he said, there's one left. There's one young one that's left. But he's a, he's a nobody. He's a mom's, he's a, he's a, he's a shepherd. He's, that's not him. Yisrael said, listen, something's wrong here. Let me send him here and let me see who he is. For we will not sit down to eat until I see this kid. Because something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. By Yishlach they sent, by Yiveyu they brought him. Who had mighty? He was a redhead. He had beautiful hair, beautiful eyes. The Toiv Rai. He had a beautiful, he had a, and he was very, very handsome. Now, Shmuel still did not think it was him. Hashem said, This is the guy. Anoint him. Huh? That was it. That was it. That was it. 
So we see from here that a Kosh Baruch Hu is teaching us a lesson that, and by the way, you say Naim had such beautiful eyes, I saw in a Medrash over Shavuos, that every color, Roy Gebiv, red, orange, yellow, green, indigo, violet, right? The prism, the seven colors of the prism, were all in his eyes. And that if he looked at someone who sinned, he would, he would get, he would, he would get Saras. He had crazy power in his eyes. Very, his eyes were like unbelievable. You couldn't look into them. But here's the lesson. The lesson is that, the lesson is that, so I, I, I said it over when I was sitting with these guys. I said, because Baruch was telling all of us, stop judging people by what you see. Stop judging people. Hey, he's big, he's tall, he's like Shal. No. You don't know what's going on in his heart. You don't know what's going on in a person's heart. What a lesson from Shavuos. Miguel you don't know what's going on in a person's heart. And Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald, Allah Hashalom, in fact, I have to call somebody tomorrow, but they're writing a book about him. That's who he was. He was very much, don't judge a kid in the street by the way they look. Because you don't know what's going on in his heart. He had a great story, Rabbi, Rabbi Greenwald, Allah Hashalom. Um, so he was the dean of my school. But before he was the dean of my school, he, um, he had a school in Muncie called MAG. Muncie Academy for Girls. He actually was, opened it up the kind, for the kind of girls I have in my high school before me. And um, he told me a story. We used, I used to ask him to tell me all his stories. He was like the gadol and chinuch of girls. Like He was amazing. Ran Camp Sternberg. So he said when he opened MAG, so he hired these young teachers, you know, that would be good with the girls because these girls were all off the derech. He says, and 30 days into school, he gets a knock on his door. He was the principal. The head, and one of the teachers walks in and says, Rabbi, I got a problem with the, with Chani. He says, What's wrong with Chani? She goes, Well, every day she comes to school, every day she comes to school, and her Tzias button is open. The top button is open. So I tell her to close it, and she closes it. And then next morning she comes in with it open again. I tell her to close it. And then the next day she comes with it open again. She says, It's going on for a month. I said, We gotta get, we gotta get rid of her. She's a machutzif. That's what she told him. So Rabbi Greenwald said to her, um, don't you realize after 30 days that telling her to close the button doesn't seem to be working? Did you ask her what's bothering you? You're closing it, and then you come back the next day with it open. Must be there's something bothering you. Do you know what's going on at home with her? Do you know anything? She said, no, but I think that's like a chutzpah. I keep telling her that she closes it, then she opens it, she closes it, she opens it. He says, chutzpah, it's not a chutzpah. It means there's something going on. It's a symptom. That's what he said, a great line. Every teacher needs to know that. It's not a chutzpah, it's a symptom. But there's something wrong. Teachers look at it and say, how do you, what do you mean I am teaching the Gemara? He's not listening. I'm teaching the Gemara, he's not listening. Every day, he's putting his head down on the Gemara and going to sleep. Right? Chutzpah, he's going to sleep. No, it's a symptom that there's something wrong. Why is he going to sleep every day in class? Not a chutzpah, it's a symptom. That's, he was brilliant. She said, what kind of doctor, a teacher, right? what kind of doctor are you if a person has a symptom for 30 days in a row and you're asking, what's going on? He said, I fired her. <laughs> he told me. I said, that's it. You, don't, you can't teach at my school. You're not, you're not, you're not. What? 
No, no, let's not beat up, always beat up the teachers. We'll beat up the teachers. What? It's fault. It's not always the teacher's fault. Right. Because we, we don't own our stuff. He did put up with you. Mine didn't put up with me, though. You're ahead of me. You're ahead of me. It's not about blame. It's not about blame. It's about being able to pick up. It's about, it's about being able to, to, and that was his line. He's like, for 30 days, she keeps opening the button. So, so it's, it's not a chutzpah. It means there's something wrong. So find out what's wrong. Ask her what's wrong. I just saw an unbelievable story. Oh, so you know my story with the cupcake. So the whole thing with that cupcake story, what the kid who ate my cupcake, whatever it is, is that if somebody else would have asked me, I would have said, if the kid ate your cupcake, probably has no food at home. So go to the house, go to the house and see if there's no food at home. In other words, where's it coming from? Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. No, but you're saying a good, you're saying a good. So if your kid, if you, if you, if, if your kid says, I don't want to keep Shabbos, if your kid says, a girl says, I want to start wearing pants, right? So I had this, I happened to have had this discussion with the therapist over there, that no one leaves their environment willingly. Uh, a lion, right, who, who runs with a pack of lions, and all of a sudden the lion is by himself, way off, something happened. He, he stays with his, you know, the cubs stay with their mother. The cubs not with their mother, they're going to get killed. So the cubs stay with their mother. If the cubs not with their mother, it means something happened. So, so what Rabbi Greenwald was trying to teach everyone is, and he was brilliant, that when, he, when a girl starts wearing pants and not keeping Shabbos and not being sneezed and, 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 and tattooing and getting earrings or a guy that's going off the derech, there's something wrong. It's, it's a symptom that there's something wrong. It's not what they're doing, it's why they're doing it. Not, it's not the what, it's the why. When you find out the why and you cure the why, the what goes away. Why cures what? What doesn't cure why? why? If you know what, you, you see someone has a, has a, a, a growth, right? So you see the growth. The question is why? When my father had cancer, um, so one of the most important things of the cancer was, I remember, I was with him all the time, is when they did a biopsy, right? So he had cancer in his, in his esophagus. But it didn't start there. And, and if they could figure out where it came from, let's say it came from his liver or it came from his somewhere else, then they, you don't treat the esophageal cancer. You would treat where the cancer came from. If you treat where the cancer came from, the other cancer goes away. So the most important thing, and anyone that listening knows anything in cancer research, is to know where that cell comes from. My father had a cell, it had a name for it, that they could not tell where it came from. So they were just shooting chemos. You know, maybe it's a thyroid, maybe it's this, and they didn't know where it was coming from, they didn't hit it. So they, they were, they were, the doctor told me, pray, that when we, when we do the biopsy, we'll be able to see where the cancer comes from, then we can get it. But if it's, I think, this something, this something, Cancer, we don't know where the cancer comes from, then it's just a, sh- a pot shot. That's the word he used. Just a pot shot. So even though the, the tumor was in his esophagus, it's not where it came from. It's not where it originated. You gotta get where it originated from, not where it went. You kill, I'm saying. So, so when you see the what, you see the what, right? You see the what. They saw he had a tumor in his esophagus, but they didn't know the why. Where did it come from? And as long as they didn't know the why, they couldn't cure the what. But if you know where the what is, right, you know where it's coming from, 
then you can cure the wine. So when I spoke to this girl, I said to her, Shabbos, and that you want to eat pork for breakfast, and my, my place doesn't have pork, right? Um, that's the what. But the question is why? Why would a nice Jewish girl want to eat pork? So I, until I can find out the why, I can't fix the what. She loved it. She was like into that. Like I said, so in the ranch, we're going to find out the why, not the what. That you're depressed, that you're anxious, that you're cutting, that you try to commit suicide, right? That you're not eating. That's the what? What? I'm not eating. What? I cut myself. What? I try to kill myself. What? I'm anxious. What? I'm depressed. But I can't fix that until I find out, why are you depressed? Why are you cutting? And then it may be abuse, and it may be something else. And when I find out what that is, and I can fix that, then all... The what's go away. The why makes the what's go away. The what's don't make the why go away. And, and one of the problems is that when we deal with kids, we're always into the what. Like, oh my God, look at her. She's not keeping Shabbos. That's the what. But why? Why? Why isn't she keeping Shabbos? She's coming from a Shabbos. She's a lion. Why is she running with the zebras? Right? Why is there an eagle in my chicken coop? when he can fly thousands of feet in the air and he's jumping around and pecking like a little chicken. There's something wrong there. So it's not like, oh my gosh, look at that! You know the story with the eagle, the famous story with the eagle. The eagle was flying, it had a baby, and there were hunters. And they were shooting at the eagle, so he dropped the baby in a chicken pen as a little chick. It was a little, little teeny eagle. And the eagle grew up with the chickens. So he used to hop around like a bunch of chickens. He never knew what he was. He never knew he was an eagle because he was used to being a chicken, right? And then one day, another eagle came by and said, what are you doing in a chicken coop? He said, I'm a chicken. You're not a chicken. He says, I'm a chicken. He grew up with chickens. He's a chicken, right? So finally, it's a whole long story, but finally he shows the, it's a book, children's book. He finally shows the eagle that you're an eagle and you're not a chicken. He says goodbye to the chickens and he becomes an eagle. So a lot of us, we just grow up as chickens. We think we're chickens. But we're not chickens. So it's, it's an environment thing. You live with chickens, you think you're a chicken. You live with eagles. I'm sure a chicken that would live with eagles would think he's an eagle. That's part of your, your environment. You feel it. So if, when a kid is, is going through all this stuff, Rabbi Greenwald was the king of this. He would say, Zacharia, it's not the what. I see what. She's wearing a short skirt. She's got earrings. She's got piercings. She's not giving me showers. Everybody sees the What? Nobody sees the why. And that's what Hashem said to Shmuel. You see the what. It's a Rashi. Anything in psychology, it's all in the Torah. Hashem said, you see the what. He's tall, he's dark, he's big, he looks like Shaul, he looks like a warrior. You see the what. I see the why. One guy has a temper. Donamelech, short little redhead. Doesn't look like a king, doesn't look like a fighter, doesn't look like a warrior, right? But I see not the what. The what is Dabra Melch. He was a little guy. He wasn't a big guy. But I see the why. He has the heart of a king, of a warrior. Dabra Melch was the biggest warrior. He was bigger than Shaul. So what we need to take away from Shuas is that we don't need technology. We could stay up all night and learn. We could get up every morning in Dabra Masikin. 
We could stay up and, 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 and yell at, our, at each other in Torah and in learning. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't. And on top of that, we need to start learning to see the why and not spend so much time on the what, but spend a lot of time on the why. And if we can figure out the whys in our lives, why we act the way we act, why we talk Lashon Hara, why we do the things that we do, then we could, we could fix all the what's. All the things that are wrong in our what's, we can fix with finding out why. All the good things we can do in our what's, we also have to figure out why. So if we can figure out why we're doing good things, we'll be able to continue to do good things. We should talk to see the descendant of David HaMelech, B'schus David HaMelech, B'schus Rus, B'schus Boaz, who was able to talk heart from heart, and as parents, we need to talk to our children from our hearts, and we need to ask why, not what. And as Rebbeim and teachers, we need to do the same, and therapists, we need to do the same. It's always not to, not to spend too much time on the what, but to spend more time on the why, and if we spend time on the why, Hashem will give us all our answers. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.